You're listening to Booth One. <laughs> this is how we talk all the time. You should just turn, turn the thing on. <laughs> I, I just, I just sit here. Happens. I'm fine. And this I'm is fine. why I'm not drinking. Are you guys about ready to maybe talk to me for a few minutes? Sure. <laughs> I mean, if you want that. I do, I do, I do. Yes. Sure. It's Booth One on your podcast app, everyone, bringing you the best in the art of lively conversation about the arts and popular culture. Gary Zabinski, your host here. My co-host, Frank is all but snowed in on this wintry April spring day. But I feel like I've won the lottery. Considering our guest lineup today, I recently went to see Ike Holter's new play, with Frank, by the way, at the Goodman Theater here, called Lottery Day. And I am so pleased to welcome to our program the director and one of the stars of the production, Lillian Brown, and the returning Robert Cornelius. Hey, welcome <laughs> to the booth, both of you. Hi, thanks yeah. for having us. Thanks for having me back, yeah. Robert, you were our guest in the Oof. fall of 2017 yes. on episode 67. 67. This is episode 96. Wow. It's been quite some oh, time. Wow. That's great. Yeah, 96. We're approaching our century mark. Ooh. Fantastic. Let me tell our listeners a little bit about you, Lillianne, a native Chicagoan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lillianne is a director, actor, and educator, both locally and regionally. She is the former artistic director of Bailiwick Chicago, mm-hmm. where she directed Dessa Rosa, and you won a Jeff Award for that. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. You know, you can't be on this program unless you've won a Jeff Award or something <laughs> equivalent. Oh, that is too bad, because you'll lose out on a lot of really interesting <laughs> artists. That's well, we're true. hoping that they all <laughs> win Jeff true. Awards. You did Passing Strange, for which you won the Black Theater Alliance Award as Best Director and Jeff Award nomination for Best Director of a Musical, See What I Want to See at the Steppenwolf Theater Garage, and the world premiere of Princess Mary Demands Your Attention. Mm-hmm. That was all at Bailiwick. All at Bailiwick. That was by Aaron Holland. Uh, other directing credits include, and I'm going to talk about this in a few minutes, The Total Bent, mm-hmm. The Wiz, Xanadu, American Idiot, that was at Northwestern University, I believe, National Tours of Jesus Snatched My Edges. I love that title. Is that is did I get that correct? Yeah, that's the fake credit that I put in every single bio. <laughs> <laughs> and you win for you. because as this guy knows, ding, ding. I, I, I have literally been waiting for like a decade for someone to catch it. <laughs> and you are number one. You're the only You're person the that's ever person. talked about that. This is a, a made up It uh, is a made up <laughs> bio credit that I've been putting in my bios. For, for a, a really long yeah, time. Well, least. let me let me mention a couple others. Little Shop of Horrors, Hairspray, Cabaret, Sweet Charity, 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, and Buddy the Buddy Holly Story. Mm-hmm. You know, I did the original Broadway production of Buddy the Buddy Holly Story. I was the stage manager on that what? show. What? Oh my yeah, gosh, look at that. Yeah, wow. that's, 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 uh, that ages me. And you were a graduate of Northwestern, and you're at least a quadruple threat, from what I can tell <laughs> by these credits. Robert, you returned to the Goodman just recently to do Lottery Day. Yes. You previously appeared on the New Stages production of The Convert. Chicago credits include, again, The Total Bent, Picnic at American Theater Company, Wit at the Hypocrites. You were wonderful in that show, Thank by the you. way. Aida Jury Lane Oakbrook. Taming of the Shrew at First Folio, Raisin at the Court, regional credits include Spunk, The Rivals, The Jeremiah, You Can't Take It With You at Milwaukee Rep, 
Blues for an Alabama Sky. That's a beautiful show, isn't love it? That, love that place. Yeah, so at Madison Rep. And My Children, My Africa at Montana Repertory Theater. In beautiful Missoula, Montana. How yes. was it working in Montana? You know, it was pretty lovely. Was it in the summer? Uh, it, was, so. it was August through November, and it got cut short because we had a little, little uh, a van incident on <laughs> <laughs> I-94 East where we left Helena and 20 minutes out. It was a blizzard. It was like 63 degrees in Helena and 20 minutes out it was a blizzard and our van hit a patch of ice and we almost went over a precipice we ended up in the <laughs> we ended up in the median strip oh my god and, oh my, my goodness yes and, and I believe you're lucky to be here well what I told the, the uh, artistic director is like I came out to do a play not to die in the mountains <laughs> so he canceled the rest of the tour your film and television credits include Hoodlum Chicago PD and Turks and you were a longtime member of the band Poi Dog Pondering. It's true. And we talked about that quite a lot on our last yes. episode on 67. Let me jump right into this lottery day. First of all, I have to mention someone who's not in the room. Lillian, tell me a bit about Brian Arzell. He was your assistant director. Associate he also, director. Associate I director. I should, I should make that clear. Absolutely. And he choreographed the total bent for you. Is that yeah, correct? He choreographed the total bent. And, and he was in it. And he was in it. He choreographed Marie Christine. Uh, he choreographed The Wiz. He's Quite been something. my associate several times. He's because, a talented guy. Because basically, like, he's just with me. Like, <laughs> a lot of times, that's just, I just think of him as, like, a, a right hand. Yeah. We are so tight, and we work together so well. And there's really a few people that I keep around me, and he's, he's one of them. What a talented human being, I think. Yeah, yeah he is. Another quadruple threat. Yeah, talk He's about a quadruple threat. Yeah, that, that, there's one right on. there. For sure. Well, let's talk about Lottery Day for a few minutes here. It's just opened, opened last week. Open and congratulations, last week. by the way, on your excellent notices and the reception. Do you guys read reviews? Either of you? I don't. I do, but yeah, but I don't share <laughs> what I've read. I mean, I know like kind of the basics yeah. because you that you can't avoid that. Right. So I know they've been positive. Immensely. And I know they've been positive across the board, which is really, really amazing. Yeah, it is. And then I've had some people reach out and, and say things to me. Just like say, oh, this person said this or whatever. And it's yeah. just all been been very lovely. Yeah. Well, we saw it. Frank and I saw it on Monday night, opening night. Yes. Yeah. What a raucous crowd that was. We loved that audience <laughs> so much that night. It they was were fantastic. talking back to you all. That's, and what we, that's the dream. Laughing at things before actually the punchline would really happen. I had a little trouble following the story at times because of how loud it was in the actual audience. Well, Lottery Day... It's a lot of things. First of all, it's the final play in the Reitland cycle, which is Ike Holter's seven-play series of shows about the fictional, what, 51st War That's here correct. in Chicago. Yeah. This is the culmination of all of those plays. I had the great good fortune to see Red Rex, but unfortunately, I didn't get to see any of the other plays yeah, in yeah. the cycle. And I'm hoping they'll come back around because I really do want to see them. But Lottery Day, it's many things. It's a mystery about a large sum of money. I'm not giving anything away here. It's a tragedy <laughs> about a pair of untimely deaths, a, a comedy centered on the shenanigans in a backyard barbecue. There's also a full-blown dance number. <laughs> How long have you both been working on Lottery Day with Ike? I've been on Lottery Day since 2016. 
2017 for me. Really? Mm-hmm. I think you were either involved with it on the last episode we did, Robert, yes, or we were just you starting were just starting the workshop. As a matter of fact, yes, the, the, the new stages workshop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. How has it changed since the workshop days? Well, I think it's a much deeper story. It's much clearer. The stakes we always talk about are very much higher. One of the things that we talked about in rehearsal was when we did it before, my character Robinson, who leaves at the end and says, bye, y'all, you know, there's a moment. Somebody asked in the cast when we were doing table work if I thought that Robinson was leaving for good or coming back. And I go, oh, no, he's going to come back in like a week with like some tickets to something and some, you know, a bottle of booze. And Lillian and the playwright, I called her like, really? Is that what you think? (laughs) 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 And so... That changed. We got we yeah. got rewrites for that the next day. I see. I see. We got ten pages. It wasn't just me. There were other characters with, with, with other outcomes. That's unclear. <laughs> Let's like, make that clear. Lily, I was like, have you thought that the entire time? When I exited, my last exit in the workshop production, I had a hat and I say bye and I dipped my hat. It was and very did it. fabulous. It, it was fabulous. I did a little twirl and a couple of times we got applause for it. That is not the way it ends now. And no, that's <laughs> <laughs> true. I, I would certainly remember that. Uh, so that's a big change. You know, I feel like every character's stakes were risen because he's in the room with us during the rehearsal period, which is which is a fantastic treat and, and an honor to have. But once he hears the voices of the people that are in the cast, he starts to write for those people, which is really kind of a just a, a gift that you don't that you rarely get. And he and Lillianne work so well together as well that that collaboration we 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 turn over our trust to them. And so wherever it goes, we are willing to go. And we had rewrites almost every day. Like there were cuts and edits and, and additions and the directions changed and those sorts of things to, to make it what it is. And it's just such a gift to be given that that opportunity in a world premiere of something that, that finished off a seven-play saga. One of the things that I love about this finale to the saga, I, I assume it's the finale, I'm not sure. Yes, I, 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 is, yeah, is. Chronologically, it's the seventh. Is that many of the characters are reappearing from previous plays. Well, what characters in Lottery Day appeared in previous Reitland plays? I know your character... Uh, Robinson did, Robinson yes. from Wrightland, Cassandra from Cinder, Ricky from Exit Strategy, Nunley from Wolf at the End of the Block, Tori from Red, Red Rex. Rex, Zora from Prowess. Zora from Prowess. Six. Six of ten. Six yeah. out of ten. Yeah. That's quite remarkable. So there's four remarkable. characters that belong indigenously to Lottery Day only. Sometimes people don't mention that so extraordinary is we also had the actors return. Some of the actors returned. All yes. of, all all of are, the are, Were they all the original all actors? Yeah. Uh, that I wasn't aware one, of. Tony Santiago was Nunley in the 16th Street production. A 16th of, Street of theater at the production. the end of the mm-hmm. block and was the understudy in the world premiere that was the Teatro Vista version. We've all been connected to our characters. So Ike before. already had these voices in his head and he had the actors' voices as well to Some work with. Some of these with, people yes. have been with these characters for five years. Yeah. That's Definitely. incredible. Did you direct any of the previous plays in the, the cycle? Of the block. Wolf, Wolf yeah. at the end of the block. Was that at 16th Street? Yes. Yeah. So you have a long history as well with the cycle, for sure. I did one of the original readings of Exit Strategy as an actor and the original reading of Lottery Day as an actor. As Mallory. 
how did you deal with the backstories of these characters so that the audience appearing at Lottery Day for the first time, like me, the only person I knew was... Aurora, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the stage manager now artistic, artistic director, right? <laughs> Tori, the lovely Tori. Tori, yeah. did you have to work very hard, or did Ike have to work very hard with their backstories so the audience at Lottery Day could put them in perspective, or were you just sort of saying, "Look, these are who these people are," and you'll catch up as the story goes on? Ike and I are both big fans of you catch up and not hitting the audience over the head or spending a lot of time on exposition or making things quote unquote easier because that's sort of cheap. He's a very concise writer though. So you're not gonna not get who these people are because at some point, like any good writer, like it's 101, they're gonna tell you who they are or somebody's gonna tell you who they are. I think we both think it's much more exciting to catch up than to like sit and get a bunch of explanations mm-hmm. or a bunch of whack exposition. Because first and foremost, we wanted this to really be a realistic... And okay, I'm going to use that word in a show that, yes, admittedly has a full-blown dance number. <laughs> <laughs> but we, that's what we do in Backyard Party. But right? also, it is yeah. the most realistic dance number you're going to see because it's literally like a line dance uh, at a barbecue, and we actually do do that. A lot. Now, it's theater, so we heightened it. But it, it comes from a really, really, really real experiential place. Greitlin is a, a place that's very much in my heart. I'm from the South Side. Mm-hmm. Um, same. Lots of parts. We're, we're actually from <laughs> really like the same neighborhood. So we, I haven't seen that. I just haven't seen that on Chicago stages. So we wanted to really put that there. It was really about if you showed up, at this barbecue, you, what experience would you have? And really trying to just give that, just have two hours of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, as an audience member and a frequent theater goer, appreciate that you want us to do a little work. Absolutely. To catch up. I, I, I don't like to be spoon fed things. I prefer for my dollars to actually work a little harder and actually be up there with the actors and the characters and trying to figure out what's really going on. I'll read one quote from a review, and this is not something that has to do with you at all, Lillian. In the years since August Wilson's death, Holter's Reitland cycle is the closest to Wilson's achievement in form, poetic resonance, and socio-political worldview that I've seen any dramatic writer come to. In this final play, Lottery Day, the homages and echoes are unmistakable. Do you you find that comparison reasonable? (laughs) Robert? Ike hates it, but go yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a little problematic for us. Yeah. Uh, as a, you know, as I, our I friends. Would, I would think so. Because that comparison always comes up and oh comes out. Oh, my God. Everybody's like, August Wilson. So, I mean, you can only imagine that as, like, sure. a black man who is writing plays and getting to be someplace like the good man. And a generation The fact that people keep younger comparing him to August Wilson is a little frustrating because he feels that he has very little in common with him other than being a black man. The and, achievement of the and cycle. Craft, uh, yeah, and craft. Yeah, for sure. Yes. You know, and obviously he 
reveres August Wilson, but he does not feel like his yeah. work is similar. They have yeah. an August Wilson writing room at the Goodman where he would do, <laughs> do they? where he wrote, yes, where he wrote, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of this which play. Is so, you, know, yeah. you understand what I mean? But that comparison is is it minimizes what the what each each uh, writer's achievement was singularly or separately. It makes us a monolith as opposed to two very different but very creative and talented writers that are trying to achieve something uh, monumental. Ike's previous plays in the Rightland Cycle have been done in mostly smaller theaters, mm-hmm. mostly storefront theaters. Yeah. Lillian, what challenges and opportunities did you have mounting Lottery Day at the Goodman? <laughs> what what was that oh, wow. I mean it's no, it's, no, a, it's no, about like, as that's far a great from, question that's a because great that's question. like about I as can far from so 16th street theater you, as you can get right, right? Yes. the challenges well the benefits are first of all the fact that so this was a project that was developed from jump by goodman so we got to do that table read in yeah. 2016 and he wrote some more. Then it was selected for the New Stages Festival. The New Stages Festival is, and I will say this till the cows come home, I've said it all over. <laughs> I keep saying it because the New Stages Festival is very special. There's not really a festival like it that I know right. of at another regional theater. Where in, they actually put up full country. productions, mm-hmm. you know. Where they're really helping you develop your work by. You get a rehearsal period. You put this thing all the way up. And then you get to go back into the room after public performances, work on it some more, and then do more performances. And it's all over one very crazy month. So it's very intense. <laughs> we were so tired. <laughs> oh, my God. It's very, remember that I was double duty yes, during do that time? Yes, I remember that. I remember very oh well. I, I, I legit don't remember it. Like, like childbirth. I don't remember anything. What was the other thing you were doing? I was directing Marie Christine at night and oh doing my. Lottery Day during the day. Wow. So all of my days were 12-hour yep, days. Every single day. For a month. I don't know how I didn't go wacky. Marie Christine turned out good. And it turned out pretty great, right? <laughs> yeah. so. Did you find any challenges to so, doing this? Oh, sorry. I tend to Goodman? just go far Quite field. all right. I'll um, try to keep you I'll try to <laughs> yeah. steer us back. See, and that makes you a good stage manager because that's what my stage managers do. <laughs> oh, they, yes, you know. They really they're <laughs> well, like, well, well, over here, over, and over Mickey here, too. Over here, over like here. the last two. <laughs> that's hilarious. So to have that new stages process was a luxury and a gift and and really, really, really helped. And to have this time frame, you know, you're doing a read through in 2016, you're doing a whole workshop in 2017, the play is going up in 2019, and to be given resources and time and the sort of assurance that, yes, we are interested in this work, we do support this work, we're not just like stringing you along we, we want to make this happen. We want to produce this show. And that's really what was given to us by the Goodman, and that is not a small thing. I'd say the, ch- you know, it's funny. The biggest surprise when you go regional, <laughs> quote unquote, that, which is totally what I feel like I've done lately, is just made this jump from storefront to regional. 
it's not as big of a difference as everyone thinks. <laughs> and, and I remember like thinking this also, like I've had friends be on Broadway and you know, they, you get to go backstage, you, you go visit Broadway and you're like, Oh, it's the same. This is dirty. <laughs> it's just like, it's, just like, it's another dressing room, <laughs> right? Is, oh, your dressing room is, this looks just like the dressing room is shakes <laughs> or whatever. Right. Like that's right. It's so true. <laughs> Unless you're like a big star. Cause Felicia Fields dressing room was, was, was bomb, not right? like the dressing room <laughs> at bomb, shakes right? at all. You know, unless you're kind of a huge deal. Not much changes except the opportunities. So there's there's going to be sort of bigger press and lots going on and, and sort of these further opportunities that spring from the sort of attention that one can get when you have a lot of resources. But other than that, honestly, like, mo' money, mo' problems is really real. It's real. <laughs> it's so, so funny how that works, that sometimes the spending of the money or the fact that things are bigger creates problems that you wouldn't have or makes problems harder to solve. Because you, because I mean, the storefront, we solve problems with duct tape and sharpie <laughs> and a dream, <laughs> right? I fixed it. <laughs> I fixed it. We need to get somebody in tomorrow, but it's gonna work tonight. <laughs> I fixed it. it. It wasn't a union solution or anything. Like, <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of that in the yeah. last show, a lot, a lot of those uh, incidents in the last show. Well, like, but we fixed it. It was like literally, and duct that's tape really and what I'm used to. <laughs> duct tape and a dream is, is really real and a um, oh, it works, for sure. <laughs> so you can't do that <laughs> at regional because uh, you're not even allowed to, to touch the duct tape. It's so, because like and, an IAC person sure. has to touch sure. the, the duct tape. Oh, yeah. So the challenges also just become how do you manage something large and not let it become a, one, a runaway train? How do you stay away from the temptations to spend money? Because honestly, on a regional level, they're sort of used to spending money, and I'm not. So I'm not somebody that's tempted to spend a lot of money, but I can see how somebody like me would be. Sure, yeah. I'm somebody that actually tends to come in and be given a lot of money and go, really? Do we have to spend it? Like, that seems crazy <laughs> to me and, like, wasteful. And people just look at me like I am insane. <laughs> do you but think- I'm so cheap. I'm yeah, so you, but, cheap. But you've, had, but you've had to do it on a shoestring for a decade. There was a show that I did at Northwestern that was so great. I did American Idiot there. This was actually the very first time I'd been given any sort of big budget and crazy resources and, like, told... Go nuts, we're going to build it. And that's also where I met Arnel Sancianco, who by the end of this year, we will have done eight shows together in three years. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's my guy. He's um, so good. He's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant scenic designer who I found as a grad student at Northwestern and like scooped him up and went mine <laughs> and have like really monopolized his time since then. Uh, well, that brings me to my very next question. Thank you for segueing. That was beautifully done. Arnel Sancianco is mm -hmm. who you mentioned, the scenic designer. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned that this play takes place all at a backyard yes. barbecue. It's behind a house that's fenced in yard with a picnic table or a table there and a smoking grill which yes. i loved i love the smoke did you hear the sizzle there's sizzle i heard the sizzle and i was sitting in the back row yeah. of the mezzanine we and made I sure could that you could hear it in the sizzle. back row of the mezzanine <laughs> i couldn't smell the meat 
Well, we worked on that for a long time. Man, <laughs> we really talk to the when good I men tell about you that, that I am anal. No, we had smell a vision. We, we had yeah. some cans of Did yeah. and um it didn't work out. It didn't smell right to me. It didn't, it smell, like, it didn't yeah. smell like meat. Right. right. Yeah, it's this cooking that goes on for several hours. Or time in the play of yes. several hours. But trust it's me, I tried Smoking it. this meat. <laughs> right. Well, the, the set is absolutely exceptional. A- a- everything about the production is just first class. It's Thank just beautiful. You. The whole milieu looks like Spike Lee doing Rear Window, someone oh, said. Right. I read this. Expert craft, top-notch cast, and a thought-provoking script makes Lottery Day one that you don't want to miss. What do you value, Lillianne, in a collaborative team? And by the way, did you know that Robert does costumes on occasion? I used to do them for Victor Gardens and stage left and all that stuff. How come you've never mentioned that? Because because we've been acting and directing <laughs> together, <laughs> and we've had and we've had great costume designers. We'll talk. Think, we, we'll talk. Yes, we have had fantastic. But I still pattern and sew. Yeah, I still pattern and sew. Like when Christine you need yes. and Samantha C. Jones. Samantha C. Jones. Yes. Obviously, you value the collaborative team because, well, for instance, Arnell, you snatched up mm-hmm. once you saw someone. I'm very all talented. about my team. Yeah. I'm all about my team. I am basically a package deal. When I come in to an experience now, I'm like, yo, this is my squad. So if you want me, you're going to take at least some of, of them. And like I said, I have a group of people that I usually have around me or just a group of designers that, you know, listen, when people, when you have people that were willing to work with you when all you had to give them was like 200 or $400, and now suddenly you've got real money or real budgets. It's something that they'll enjoy doing. You're going to give those jobs to those people. And I have people working with me who were working with me when, you know, I didn't really have anything to give them, except they just wanted to do the work. So for people to want to work with me, you have to be loyal to that. And I want to be loyal to that because, you know, we all sort of went through the fire together of, of being at storefront and just trying to make some good art. And that goes for actors, too. There's just like people who <laughs> worked with me who, who are so excellent. And see, the thing is, all of these people are excellent. A lot of them are people of color, women, just people who might be overlooked or not have had the same opportunities as everybody else, just like myself. So, of course, we squad up, you know. Of course, we have seen each other and worked for no money. And so, yeah, when we get, now that people are getting bigger projects, I'm going to be hiring those people. It's a, it's a huge gift. Robert, there's a lot of pot smoking going on in this place. Yes, there is. <laughs> is that... I'm not sure how to even really phrase this. <laughs> is that symbolic of anything? And does <laughs> does, does no. it lead the characters? To, I, I felt it led the characters to be more truthful in their there interactions also, there's and their also motivations. There's also copious amounts of alcohol being consumed at that party. Yeah. And, I mean, and that's not really choreographed so much as when you need another drink, go get another drink. Right. We're don't not, be empty. We're not, and we're not disrupting the scene. direction on that. Not, <laughs> don't, don't be, be, don't don't be empty. It's a backyard party. Empty. Yeah. yeah. 
you ought to do Virginia Woolf sometime. That's exactly <laughs> well, the, that's exactly the direction. Well, maybe Wolf they'll maybe they'll book you for that Broadway <laughs> revival. They should. I think so too. Did, did I read Laurie Metcalf's going to do? That's correct. Going to do Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? That's right. Oh goodness. Is it just that's how the characters it's the behave and ice It's just head, a party, yeah. It's, it's the, just it, the party. It's, it's not a social uh, comment or anything like that. People just get stoned at, at backyard parties. And because I, I think we lose more control when we drink a lot. There's not a lot. You don't, you don't really lose your speech or your, your, or your uh, common sense when you're smoking pot. <laughs> when you're smoking well, pot. Sure. You just want to eat chips. You just want to eat chips and <laughs> smile and it's relaxing. But when booze, is added to the, when booze is added to the mix, then it becomes more volatile. And that is literally what happens. It, you know, it, it just it starts to barrel out of control because everybody in that backyard is buzzed. And the, the stage direction for the beginning of the party says everybody's about three drinks in when it starts. So if you think about that and the, you know, and there's time lapses and, you know, time, time passes in, in, in the scenes, we've been out there drinking all day and it was 70 degrees when we started and everybody's <laughs> out in the backyard and losing their minds. So that escalation is also a natural occurrence. We have a lot of people of color come in and sometimes we can hear words, sometimes we can't. <laughs> but they will sit and go through their programs like, like, this one is my Uncle Junior, and this one is, you know, my cousin Audrey. You know, everybody knows somebody mm-hmm. in that backyard. That's like Macy. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Even when uh, James Meredith and I were talking to you about it, uh, I said we have both kinds of uncles. Because I, I, I'm like, I'm the un- uncle that will sneak you a dollar. And Avery is the uncle that will be like, you need to work and earn this dollar. Yes. And it was the simplest sentence. And that was the whole conversation. Uh-huh. That I was know. The- I was like, yep, you got it. <laughs> that was the entire conversation. I was so t- that tickles me. I think about that all the time. I mentioned earlier that you both worked on a- another show recently called The Total Bent. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, we got to do two in a row. In a row which right? we, oh, which so we saw fairly recently. Yeah, near the end um, of the run. Near, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it was near the end of the yeah. run. That was written by Stu and... Heidi Rodewald. Heidi Rodewald. Yeah, yeah. what also a fantastic wrote show. Passing Strange together. Tell us a little bit about that experience. By the way, Robert, you were superb in that show. Thank you very much. You didn't design the costume. I did not. could not be more different it, in, a, yeah. in a weird way. Yeah. Like, no, it's true. In spirit, yeah. there's a lot of, of heart space that's similar that's, in, that's, in these that's two shared, back-to-back I would say. projects. But man, boy, the experience of the productions could not be could more dissimilar. Could not be more dissimilar. Yeah, it's absolutely true. The idea of Total Bent, we had the rights for it, but funding was an issue. It was a storefront theater and that sort of thing. It ended up being a collaboration with the About Face Theater. And Haven, right? About and Haven, Haven, yes. And and so it just, it, it we went through the channels. And that was in July. And, and after that, it's things, things. Because it was going to happen. Like, you, you I, were, from you day were, one, you I were, was like, we're going to do this. You, were, you kept saying it, and I kept the, I kept the space and clear. And it was in between a couple of things. And I just, I was like, you know, Lillian said, we're going to do it, so we're going to do it. You were the most surprised. To, 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 uh, to find this out, but I was—I had never been asked to be a principal in a musical piece before. I mean, really? I, I sing in a band and mm-hmm. that sort of thing, and it's—it's it's a, but it's a part of a unit. What was lovely was that Lillian thought I could do it before we ever got into the room together about it, and so because she thought I could do it, I worked on it until I felt like I could. It was one of those experiences that expanded my my repertoire. Very much so, but also helped my confidence 
we were doing a TV preacher and it was pretty for a couple of weeks and I was trying to make the hit the notes and make it sound so beautiful and it was time to start acting the songs and once you gave me that direction let's okay just start acting this we know you know we know you can sing let's now then I got to use my training to focus in on making those songs move the story forward and to evoke whatever mm-hmm. emotions we were trying to get across to the audience and the total bent is probably the 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 most life-changing show of my career. It has taught me that I can do anything I put my mind to. It has taught me that people believe if you work from the heart that that you can that you can do anything. And I was lifted up from that production. It was and it was a treat to work with those people. We had we <laughs> we had the stupidest time it in the rehearsal room <laughs> every day. It was a really strange experience it was like that was talk about that was like the armadillo of shows like yes. what is this what is this it's what fabulous <laughs> but what, but is, what it? is it yeah and, i had the same reaction I and was, the script i walked out thinking this this was the greatest experience of my life i'd be hard pressed to really describe it to somebody yeah no no I, oh I, I, God, all i said right? was just you have to just come see but also there's something about that script and the, the script of lottery that they uh, have in common and is that they are unapologetically black it is the experience that from through our eyes without explanation or pandering or being condescending or anything like that. Or apologizing. Or apologizing for it, right? In any way. Yes, yes, yes. And so the beauty of that is then you can just focus on the work from inside, from experiences that you've already had. And, and it wasn't really about it being a musical as us just telling the story with music. And there wasn't a lot of dramaturgy involved. The, the, there weren't a lot of stage we directions, some, but we we made do. But with what we <laughs> what we put on that stage is literally exclusive to that production and that space and and, and that everything space, about yeah. the space itself was the show was the show. Yeah, and Arnell did the set for that as well, oh, yeah. right? He, he absolutely did. Fantastic. Yeah. When those curtains opened, I just about died. It was right? fantastic. So cool. There's nothing so wrong with cool. a reveal. No, nothing a reveal wrong with a reveal. And good. same same lighting designer as well, Jason Lynch. Yes. So the two of them together, pretty fabulous. I'll say, regarding the title, we were unclear as to where this title came from, but we've done a little research. Tell me if this is right. It's from a speech by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. called mm-hmm. Unfulfilled Dreams. And I'll just read the sentence that this is in the context of. In the final analysis, God does not judge us by the separate incidents or the separate mistakes that we make, but by the total bent of our lives. And you just mentioned that there's similarities between the total bent and Lottery Day. I think that there's similarities in that quote between those two plays and a lot of great plays about great characters. The incidents and mistakes are not what you get judged by. Again, it's, it's a whole view of your life. Because humanity, I mean, even monsters don't consider themselves monsters. And that is on the stage as well as in life, you know, crazy people don't think they're crazy. They think that everybody else is. That's what we think of, you know, as actors, we are searching for the truth. It is a behavioral craft. And being in the total bent and uh, like closer to the audience than I am to you right now, and the same thing with oh. Lottery Dave that is a th- on a thrust stage in the Owen Theater, and having mm-hmm. to be completely honest so that people are not watching you act as so, as, as so much watching you behave. That is a big part of how we came to draw these characters so specifically in this backyard because every one of them has their own 
pluses and minuses. You know, everybody's flawed. Yep, everybody's flawed. Everybody's complicit in whatever whatever, the evil is. And that's really amazing because then that makes you as an audience member have to look at yourself, your own loved ones, your own situation. And then we really have a mirror because it's just not as simple as that person's evil or that person is, is virtuous. It's so much more interesting when it's real people. Right who, like you said, the total bent. Real people who have a whole journey and a whole arc, and it's not just about this one thing that you That did. doesn't define them completely right. at all. Yeah, for sure. Which ugh, is a re- real relief to me because we're in a culture right now where sometimes uh, one thing is all anybody talks about. If you make one mistake or you've done one thing, Sometimes it's as if you can't come back from that. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's real. I think that's like the internet has done that to us and has made us often think that way, but that's not real. It's not real life. With that, a group of people like that in a backyard, like I said, under those situations, or or even even with the the, uh, the protagonists and antagonists in Total Bent, there was still an underlying sense of they will always be together. They're bound by something that is deeper than just blood, fam- blood yeah. or friendship or family. You don't just root for one person in these situations. That the- relationship between you and Gilbert yes. in the show is one of the more fascinating relationships that I've seen on stage yeah. in years. Yeah. There's so much depth going on there and so much to figure out. Talk about making the audience do some work. Yeah, for sure. We're working really hard to figure out what's going on here, and it's well worth the journey. A lot of young men of color said they'd never seen that, or they had their relationship with their father, or that sort of thing, which really moved me a lot. Well, it was, you know, you know, it was the the, the most vulnerable vulnerable I've ever been on stage. You know, was in that in those final moments with that young man. There was a lot of trust that we talk about. So a lot of trust so in that room that had to exist and for, for the entire ensemble. That room thrilling. in general, as with Lottery Day, creating a safe space. I know that this is a hackneyed term right now, but it's really it's real and truth. it's really important yeah. to create space for people. What's meant by a safe space is can you be you? The most yourself you can possibly space. be. That's right. That's the most yourself. Do you get to bring your whole authentic right. self into this experience? And... So often we don't. So often we're mired in respectability politics. And code switching. Code switching. Trying to fit in. Mm -hmm. Appearances. Appearances. And to be real, being being terrified. Being absolutely terrified. And that's all of us in the room. That's Mm -hmm. everybody in the room. Yeah, for sure. As you remember, I even went through that when we did the workshop. That's right. Yeah, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. Because I was not sure of my footing yet. This was a new it's environment. It's a very new environment, and it was bigger than anything else. And it's uh, it was new for all of us, and we had to figure out how to navigate our way through that. Just, just to watch you in that room was inspiring to everybody in the cast of both of those shows because that assurance. Well, you know where I came from because you yeah, were with me. I was there when I was like having moments right. of of doubt and fear and there's never been a question of confidence there's never been a question of trust there's never been any of that stuff because we felt like we were safe in a safe space and that you were captaining the ship and you knew what the hell you were doing but again 
it is a room, two rooms full of friends and colleagues and peers and those sorts of things. And when you can get to that place, I mean, we started doing runs of Total Ben in two weeks with 26 songs. Wow. We started doing full runs after two weeks because that is how, I don't want to say easy, but that is how comfortable we felt in that room to give everything we had. And we did the work outside of the room so that when we came in, and you would be surprised every day. It's like, when did you learn this song? You know? And we're like, no, we're doing this. And when I tell you we made up half that play. We, it was like literally we had to fill in so many blanks. And it's unfortunate that we couldn't just write that all down in like a Bible and send it to students and say, here's how this show's supposed to be produced. <laughs> because we figured it out. We really did. As a family, as a group, as, a, as colleagues. And no idea was ridiculous until it was. Until, right, until <laughs> yeah. we tried it yeah. and went, yeah. oh, no. Yeah, not that. <laughs> let's, let's go back to one. Can we reset, please? <laughs> Well, if you like what you're hearing and you'd like to support Booth One in bringing you the best and lively conversation about the arts and popular culture and amazing guests like Lillianne Brown and my friend Robert Cornelius, you can go to our website at www.booth-one.com. That's dash O-N-E.com. Click on the donate button. It's easy, it's fun, and it's tax deductible under our 501c3 status as a nonprofit entity. Any and all contributions would be greatly appreciated. Speaking of the total bent of one's life, Lillian, I read something on a resume of yours that you claim a special skill as golf. Is that true? Okay. Is that another uh, lie? Is that another bad credit? I just want to know where you're getting some of this stuff from because the bio was a little old, but that's a ve- that that resume would be very old. No, I did. I used to play championship golf. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was part of a golf club called the Bobble Links that was like a amateur league on the south side i remember bowling did they what, offer like the what, like, like when yeah. you were like 11 or 9 yeah or... like 8 to maybe 15 didn't they have a golf team at st ignatius so in fact they did have a golf team <laughs> at st ignatius <laughs> and Uh-oh. i went to the very first meeting and it was four white men and that was the golf team and I just really didn't feel like two-way integrating yeah something that day I just I was like I just got here like I, I know right I, I just got here I'm at St. Ignatius <sighs> no I understand completely you know so why. I literally walked in that room looked around and went Nah. Can't do it and walked out. And look how you turned out, thank God. I'm all right. <laughs> Have you not played golf since? Was that the end of your golfing career? Why not am not I in ask- any sort of competitive way. Why no. am I asking this? Because I'm a very avid golfer. And really? Yeah, I stayed up all morning watching the Masters as and well. Tiger, Tiger, yes, Tiger Woods, tiger y'all. Got it. Again, yeah. talk about the total bent, of, total bent of yeah. one's life. Mm-hmm. 11 years, think about that. Yeah, That's insane. just insane. Yeah, insane. It, it was just crazy. I think it's fantastic that you're a golfer, and I'm not sure I've had anyone on the show who is a golfer besides myself. So really? I appreciate I don't think so. What's going on? with golf. I, know, I right? don't know. Golf is fun. Golf is great. Y- you're telling me, <laughs> sister. <laughs> My dad and I are the ones that discovered the parrots in Jackson Park. 
Because my dog right? hunted them down. Wow. My do- so the very first pair of them had nested at the top of a light pole on the driving range. And that's what I did the most. My dad oh, and I, I would go that. to the driving range the, all the time. And how did those parrots ever get there in the first place? No they were one wild knows. parrots. And now well, no, there's... they were not wild parrots. They were somebody's and they just parrots out of a that like, escaped. Yeah. And now there's hundreds and they had of them, nested right? in Jackson Park, and they were at the top of a light pole on the driving range. And my dog would not stop barking, and we were like, "What? What?" Right, right. And we would always take my dog to Jackson Park, and then uh, my dad would go, "Hey, want to hit some balls?" And we'd we'd go to the driving range, and she just Saturday after Saturday was barking at, and we were like, "Oh, there's a nest up there. It's really high." And one day she's barking, and we just see a flash of green fly mm. out, and we were like. No way. Did you see a parrot (laughs) in Jackson Park? It was cold. It was so bizarre. Right. And we kept going back. And at one point, we were like, should we tell somebody? A couple summers later, there was another one. And then there were more. And then people started knowing, oh, there's there's wild parrots. That's crazy. That's crazy. (laughs) Yep. I can't believe that was you. Isn't that funny? I know. (laughs) Do you think they're all related to that single pair that oh, escaped for, out of a window? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, like we saw it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, let me ask you this. How do you prepare for a performance? Everybody has a different technique, <laughs> a different style. Yeah. And, and every performance is different. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. Lottery Day is different than the Total Bent. Total Bent was uh, tea and honey and lemon. <laughs> and, a, and a prayer. <laughs> so many prayers. No, but the the, the fun thing about, the fun thing about Total Ben is like it was said, you know, it was said in the fifties and sixties, and so it was kind of an homage to my father. So the ritual of like slicking down my hair and putting on a stocking cap was like him thinking about my father on Sunday mornings, and the kind of person that he was came out a lot in in that in that role. It was social time because. We had to go through such a gamut of emotions. Being up in the dressing room with with these these seven men was a hoot and a holler. We <laughs> we'd laugh until places and no for and, and the last thing that we did was Gilbert and I because we entered on the opposite sides of the stage. We'd hug, hug each other and go get in the place, you know. And and then I'd listen and then I'd have one of those dual action recolor cough drops because <laughs> Lillian had me. Um, start the show yeah the show starts in falsetto <laughs> and there I you are before any dialogue or anything there lights it come sure up is. and there it's you are you know, first thing. it was the very first thing it's and it's so the, cool. i mean it's, it's the, one it of was, my favorite it was the show openers oh, ever of all time in, in musical theater yeah, yeah, of all honestly. time absolutely and then, and then it turns into that barn burner and for for a lottery day i literally you know we stretch and at five minutes the entire cast gets into a circle and we breathe together and we toast something right before we go on clothes really help me i've done a lot of internal work i've been you know talking about that psychology of the theater really i do a lot of internal work and it's like when i start putting on a pinky ring or the watch Hmm. that goes with it and i've got like diamond studs in this one and i always make sure that my hair is fresh you know and 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 ritual it's, it's ritualistic it's the same every day and there's five of us in the room together and we we all get together once we breathe together we're all in the same space those dressing rooms are so different oh my god i, I know they, they, they tell, tell us they tell us the same things like y'all yes. over here yeah i have i'll go in the women's and visit them and then go in the men's and i'm like i, I, I 
We're boys. Hilarious. No, 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 no. <laughs> they are the thugs. They are the thugs. <laughs> they, they are, are the so thugs. much more ratchet <laughs> than y'all. Y'all are just so like, like listening to old soul <laughs> grooves and being so nice. And they are a wild <laughs> bunch. Over the that end. is so funny. Really hilarious. That is so funny. And then when it's time to get backstage, we just, you know, you breathe and you, and you go. You know, the show is very fast paced. Yes. Like this, there are times, especially early on in the show, where lots of lines are overlapping. Yes. Lots of long pieces mm-hmm. of dialogue are just... Two-page monologue. Two-page monologue, <laughs> yes. all at the same time. And again, we as the audience just sort of have to catch up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Does Ike write that way? Is that mm-hmm. something that... They're called waterfalls. Mm-hmm. Waterfalls. And the interesting thing about learning those waterfalls is that the cue line, your cue line is generally in the middle of someone else's sentence. So nothing is left to chance. It's always really interesting that people think that a lot of the stuff that we do in Ike's plays are, is ad living. Extraordinarily mm. choreographed it is. chaos. It really? is. You have Literally. no idea yeah. how hard it is to create. What looks random? What looks random? Yes, to make it look easy, it's like a gymnast on an apparatus. You know oh. what I mean? It's it, it, to make it look easy. There's there's nothing left to chance uh-uh. because everything is in a millisecond. You can lose the flow of the show. And yeah. People are like, oh, it's so crazy, and they're improvising. I'm like, this show comes in within 30 seconds of its same runtime every night. Every Every night. Yep. No kidding. Yep. The improv is built into the writing. He writes the way people talk, especially when you have so many different personalities in the room. To have that cacophony, one of the newer members of the cast, Michelle, when we uh, started rehearsing, she says, so when do you start really list the hearing other people I said about week three because, <laughs> <laughs> because the first couple of weeks you are listening for the word where you start to speak and your response and holding on for dear life and dear life and then you know and I told you I had you laughing just like you're laughing right now it's like no 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 when I start paying attention it's gonna be really really good because you I know. would make fun of them so hard <laughs> just all the time because of stuff like that I was like Oh, blah, 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 my line, blah, 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 my line. And you know, I tease you because I've done the, I've read the role. I I understand completely what's going on. And you're literally listening for when you start. But then the discovery week, which was a couple of weeks ago before we started previews, the discovery week is all of a sudden it's like, have you said that to me every day in rehearsal? Because that's beautiful. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like, so we're having a conversation. They right. Hearing things <laughs> that they've three. never heard before. And I was like, oh, you're listening now. That tickle, Welcome. That tickles Lily ass so much. You. It's like, you know what? And because, you know, you got to fake it till you make it, you know, it's that yeah. kind of thing. But when you start hearing stuff, that is when the, the fun begins. And we always talk about how much fun it is, that intermission, to just sit out there and. Mm. Have a party. Mm. You know. I know so many people would be around me during previews when the intermission would happen and people would be so confused. You know, the lights come up, but the action keeps going. We have what's called a live intermission. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask, whose idea was that? Was that It's written in the script. Ike's, Ike's it wasn't script? originally. It wasn't originally. No, I think it was both of us. I remember him saying, I wish I didn't have to Stop. end yeah. the action we didn't know where to put the intermission. Right, I remember that. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Us kind of coming up with it together of saying like, well, you know what? We don't have to stop the action. And then figuring out how do we do it? Well, 
what if we just didn't? Like, what if we just tell the audience they can... They can get up and go. They can get up and go and come back. You know, we'll flash the lights. Then I just made up the breaks. Like, yeah, we had so, a buddy system. Well, two people go on stage at a time. Yeah, so you can have notice like a that. Break, yeah. That sort of mm-hmm. thing. And come back in and party. Yeah. You know? And it just looks normal and natural. A, fu- yeah. a, a funny little anecdote from the New Stages production. We, okay. We'd have somebody live to come out and announce that there was going to be a live admission. And, you know, the action would go on. The lights would come <laughs> up. The dramaturg introduced one. And she forgot to tell them to, go, to get up and go to the washroom. <laughs> so one of the characters, Ricky Hubble, assistant principal Ricky <laughs> Hubble, in a very meta-theatrical moment, said to another one of the characters, now, if this was a play, this would be where you would get up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> there was a collective... I don't know why the lights came Oh! And they, and, they, and they were released to get up and go to the watch. That's fantastic. <laughs> he was, it, was, it was the most brilliant moment. He was, he's still very proud of that because it was genius. Be. It, was it was hilarious. That was fantastic. If this were a play. If this were a play. <laughs> well, I thank you both for your candor and your good humor. That was a fantastic story. <laughs> Once you strap in for Lottery Day, you are in until, until the, the end. Until the end, yeah, for sure. That's true. Well, congratulations again to you both on the success of Lottery Day and the total bent. Yes. Two for two. Yeah. I can't wait for the next one. What's up next for you, Lillianne? Can you tell us anything uh, about what you have in the irons in the yeah, fire? I can. I'm so proud of my year. I'm just really excited about it. Next, Ike and I are going to La Jolla to do his play, Put Your House in Order, his thriller, horror, romantic comedy. <laughs> It's really funny. Fantastic. And, and we're going to have a... I'm so excited to go to La Jolla Playhouse. I can't stand it. I got, I've actually, actually got friends that can't wait to meet you out there already. And then after that, I get to do Color Purple at Drury Lane. Woohoo! Wonderful. Best of luck with both of those projects. I look forward to the very next thing. Thanks again, Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Visit www.booth-one.com for prior episodes and more information about our program for Booth One and Lillianne and Robert. This is Gary Zabinski saying so long and keep listening. Keep listening.